When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Hello and welcome back. It's me. Hi. Hello. I'm Gabe Gonzalez and you're listening to the QWERTY Podcast. This is a weekly show. Uh, from the blessed union between QWERTY and Forever Dog, where I will be talking about politics, uh, pop culture, news, whatever I'd like to, and whatever I find that might be impacting the LGBTQ community this week. And I'm also going to invite a guest uh, just to come hang out a bit, maybe reflect on that week, and just generally keep it cute. No mandates besides that on this pod. This week, we are going to be talking about a few headlines uh, that you can read on QWERTY, including why certain beers have been banned at Stonewall, how one couple may end up with the most expensive pride flag display in Central Florida and why one recent headline has everyone thinking about the casual homophobia of 2014. Plus, we have got a guest that you have heard as the host of the Luminaries podcast and perhaps read on Nylon, where they have an insightful, illuminating, and magical astrology column. David Odyssey is with us, and he's going to be joining me after these headlines. But first, we got to get to those stories in a, a little segment we like to call Catch Her Up. All right, so we're going to go over these headlines. Uh, Here's our first one of the week. New York City's historic Stonewall Inn has banned beers manufactured by one company in particular over their political donations. Stonewall made the move after it was revealed Anheuser-Busch has donated over 35,000 to anti-LGBTQ state-level politicians. The announcement came this month in conjunction with the hashtag Keep Your Pride campaign. We actually talked about last week with Representative Pramila Jayapal just (laughs) calling out American Airlines and Walmart. Um, And basically, this movement has has been aiming to hold companies accountable for claiming to celebrate pride with public statements or rainbow logos online while they continue to donate to anti-LGBTQ causes and politicians. So the beer ban at Stonewall includes uh, Budweiser, Bud Light, Stella Artois, Michelob, and Shock Top. Um, truly, I'm sure the queer community will be missing those. Let's be real, Stonewall Inn never struck me as a Bud Light kind of venue. If anyone's getting bloated in New York this pride, it's not off of beer. It is off of Spike Seltzer or too many fiber supplements, okay? We're being ambitious with our bottoming habits, this this pride. Um, so no love lost. Au revoir, Bud Light. I will never see you again. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm very happy this is happening. And I'm, I'm, I am glad that companies' hypocrisy is being called out. Kudos to Stonewall. Maybe we'll po- be popping in there. Not for a shock top, though. Our next story of the week. A gay couple in Florida has been fined over their pride flags. A couple in Broward County say their homeowners association has fined them $50 a day this month over the pride flags they put up, which they fly every year uh, during June. Even though their homeowners association rules technically prohibit anything but American flags or military flags, because of course it's Florida, um, the couple say they've never been asked to take down their pride flags before or pay a fine. But even after this warning, they say they're not taking them down. It's going to stay up until June 30th. Bob Plaminski, one half of the couple, told NBC, we're not going to back down on this one. His husband, Mike Ferrari, oh, I love that name, fully would have taken that last name. I would be Gabe Ferrari, added that they will pay whatever fines are incurred. $10, $50, $100 a day. It is staying up. And according to the New York Times, 11 neighbors have also flown pride flags in solidarity with a couple and will likely be fined as well, making this the most expensive display of suburban allyship since 
since your one liberal ant rated targets pride section. So we're really making history here on all fronts. All right, our last story of the week, Carl Nassib's coming out, particularly how athletes before him kind of paved the way for this moment and the conversation surrounding Michael Sam that's kind of cropped up in light of Carl Nassib coming out. Uh, so just to catch you up, if you have not heard, Nassib is the first active NFL player to come out while still in the league. Certainly a first, but not the first NFL player ever to come out. While players like Ryan Russell have very recently come out as bisexual and other players have come out as gay or bi after their time in the league as well, a lot of people have been bringing up the name Michael Sam uh, while talking about out gay football players lately. In case you don't remember, Michael Sam came out in 2014 before being drafted into the NFL, but he was never put on a roster or played in a regular season game despite being drafted. A lot of people do feel that Sam was treated unfairly because he came out before solidifying his place in the league, because he was the first openly gay player facing scrutiny from other players and fans while trying to make it in the league. Also, this was 2014, which feels like a different lifetime ago. And the fact that he was a a gay black man in a, a sports league that has historically been pretty hostile to people in either community, let alone those who belong to both. So I I don't know a lot about football and I am not going to pretend to, but I think what I'm trying to get at, what I've seen a lot of people maybe trying to articulate is that we, we, I use this we very broadly, but I do feel like the LGBTQ community broadly likes to focus on these very specific firsts, right? Like the first out gay person to do this thing in this specific field or achieve this. And I think those wins are very important, but I do wonder how much of the time we erase the people who kind of helped pave the way to that first while getting there. And I I think it's interesting bringing up Michael Sam's name during this conversation about out gay players, because I think he's one of those folks who who didn't quite get to that point, but uh, absolutely made room for others. And un undoubtedly helped pave the way for somebody like Carl Nassib coming out now. I also, on a personal note, I'm approaching new celebrity coming outs with caution. I am still reeling from the trauma of Colton Underwood. Um, and I do know that Nassib donated a lot of money to the Trevor Project, but he is also a registered Republican in Nevada who registered as a Republican to vote in 2020 in that state, which seems like a choice for a gay man to make, given uh, who the president was at the time and that party's current platform toward uh, queer and trans people. Anyway, Google Michael Sam today if you don't know who that is. And uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll uh, hopefully get a chance to talk to him on the podcast. I don't know. But I, I thought it was worth giving Michael Sam his flowers today and bringing his name up again. All right. Now that we've talked about sports, done the unthinkable on this podcast, it is time to bring on our next guest. I teased their presence earlier in the podcast, and it is finally time. Uh, He is the host of the Luminaries podcast, an astrology columnist for Nylon, a presence, a light, a force for queer goodness. David Odyssey is joining us today. How are you? Hello, gorgeous. Hey, babe. How you doing? Hi, babe. How is my favorite double Scorpio doing? Yes! Oh, my God. (laughs) I thought thought folks had forgotten, but I have made that very public confession. Yeah. No, who could forget? (laughs) And, you know, seeing you out in public, Gabe, I see the kind of magnetism you have over people. I mean, they just come crawling. So I understand. It is a dark power, but I think you use it for, for the good. I'll take them on their hands and knees, but I, you know, I'll also help <laughs> elevate when it's time. Oh, <laughs> oh God, I do sound like a Scorpio. That's horrifying. You know that Ryan Murphy is a triple Scorpio? <gasps> oh, that chaos could only, yeah, fully. Right? Also, right? very, uh, I feel like he does approach his shows in a very Scorpio way, like the way Scorpios approach projects. Strong start, strong concept, strong mm. big picture approach. And then kind of like maybe fizzles out after a while because they're like, I have 8,000 other ideas. So, right. But then it like kind of isn't fully his 
faults. Like you, right. there's always like a way out to it's very, yes, it is very serpent like. Oh, yes. Very serpentine. I love this. So I have actually I've been dying to talk to you because I feel like you are one of the few friends I have who has like really not only developed just a very interesting astrology practice to me and like I don't know, the way you publish your readings or do readings for other folks seems very interesting to me. But you're also, I think, like the first astrologer, if if I might use that term, I have a close proximity to because like, for me, I so I grew up with Walter Mercado, which mm. was a very queer astrology, but also one deeply rooted in this kind of like spirituality that like my Catholic grandmother and mother loved. Like that man was an icon in our home. Yes, yes. And then we've also got the, you know, like Chani Nicholas, who I think is also a queer astrologer and, and presenting a very different kind of, yeah, major queer lens through which to view astrology. And I am very interested in talking to you, like who were maybe the folks who got you interested in astrology or maybe helped you develop a, a practice or a mode of reading or interpretation or whatever you might refer to it as, I guess. I agree. It's weird because I like don't have a lot of people I follow in that world. I'm like you where like everyone I know in New York is an alt gay performer <laughs> drag queen. So I'm like, I don't really have like a community in this uh, world, but certainly Chani was the one who fully opened up that world for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think through Chani, I I was able to start studying how things play out in, on a larger ar- archetypal level. Like, I know that most people know their their inner planets, so the planets closer to the sun, Mar- Mercury, Mars, Venus, what's going on with Mercury this month, etc. Once through Chani, I was introduced to the generational planets like Pluto, Saturn, Uranus, which can tell you about like what was going on in the culture after 9-11 or during the Vietnam War or etc., etc. That's when things started clicking for me. So I think that's kind of what got me addicted, uh, more or less, because I love anything archetypal. Mm. And that's the other thing I love about astrology is like, I love comic books. I love comic book movies. And there's something about being able to connect like. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Like yesterday, I was just thinking about how Lois Lane like would be a Scorpio, but she also is like the embodiment of Mercury. Okay, so that's just kind of how my mind works. No, I love that. And I also love that there, I don't know, for you, the archetypal is not just like in the day to day, right? I think a lot of people when they they think of astrology as something that should be prescriptive. And it's like, in your love life, or like, here's how money's right. going to work this week, right? And you're like, I want to think about the rotation of the stars and how it is aligning in a way it has yes. it in years. Like, yes. you are, we're going cosmic here. I love that. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. I think yeah. like it's much more operatic and mm. uh, it can be more fun. And and I, yeah, I also just think it the prescriptive thing makes it exhausting and makes it hard for people to get into it. Um, and I think like the idea of astrology is that it's cyclical. Mm. So you kind of it's supposed to give you a broader perspective not a uh not another series of tasks on the way towards like wellness that you're supposed to complete you know 
totally. Oh, I love that. Oh, gosh. I also love that you describe it as like kind of operatic. I think, mm. again, going back to Walter Mercado, I did like a deep dive on him before this documentary came out. I've been mm. obsessed with him. And the documentary came out and it was so gorgeous. Really great illustrations of tarot cards. Just some cool stuff happening. But what I I found so fascinating is that this individual who ostensibly kind of put astrology on the map for all of Latin America also had a performance background, right? Was like trained in the arts, went to a performance art school in Puerto Rico, did opera, did dance. And like the reason he clicked was the performativeness of it, right? The capes, this like theatricality to the presentation, right? This idea that the planets were these like forces, like pushing and pulling. And it was yes. like, we're like caught in the drama of it all, right? Like, and I just, I, I think there is something very tantalizing about that and really fascinating that I think the folks who really resonate always bring kind of a a magic maybe or a deep spirituality to it that feels larger than life my friend and fellow astrologer ruby mcallister told Uh, me she was like she was like listen it's showbiz Mm. and once i heard that like because i used to do these really intense readings where i would break everything down and i would hold nothing back and i think people would be kind of either like crushed or exhausted (laughs) and i'm learning like you're walking someone through the story of their life basically like it's a show and they should like get into it and it shouldn't be this like comprehensive breakdown and the other thing that walter mercado did that i think is like truly still subversive is that he was like i am here to make people happy i am not Mm. here to spread bad news Uh, which i do think is a specific decision to be like i'm going to be a source of light and i'm not going to be here to like punish people i really think that is especially in terms of if you think about like queer narratives Mm. and like Again, Ryan Murphy, et cetera. Like, <laughs> for someone as big as him to be like, I am here to spread joy, period, is really revolutionary to me. Even that closing statement, lots and lots of love, mucho, mucho amor. It's that's the catchphrase. That's the the like drag race entrance line that followed him for the rest of his life. You know yes. what I mean? Like, yes. and it really, it's wild how it resonated. It's it, yes. it was a catchphrase in my very conservative Catholic Puerto Rican home growing up. Like the idea of kind of homegrown savant or master of of mm. this cosmic art was like something a lot of Puerto Ricans felt very proud. Like my grandmother was almost a nun in the Catholic Church and loved. Wow. Uh, Walter Mercado's very uh, subtly queer ass. Maybe not wow. so subtly, but yeah. Right? Yeah, so subtle. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, we've talked some about some of the stereotypes and how people view it as prescriptive, but like, I feel like, you know, people want to poo-poo astrology or like somehow it's become like a very touchy subject where people are like, just don't talk to me about astrology. So what is one thing that like maybe, do you feel like you had a misconception about astrology that like learning more about it changed in your mind? Okay. The moment... It really became real. (laughs) I made a Google Doc of every man that I had had sex with and to the best of my stalking ability, what his sign was. Once I was (laughs) able to uh, collate that information, I understood that we were really, you know, playing with some bigger forces and that uh, nothing in life is random. Okay, so there's that. Look, astrology is meant to put things into a larger cyclical perspective. I think that when you live life cynically, it gets really Mm. boring. And the idea, you know, I always think about uh, like around New Year's Eve when people are like, 
this year is going to be my year. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> why is why this year? Astrology actually says maybe this year won't be your year, but maybe you're getting ready for the year after, which like astrology at least helps put things into a little perspective, a little structure, and it gives seasons to things, which I think can be really helpful. And it actually is meant to take you out of your ego. Mm. I understand that everything with like manifesting culture and like this era of conspirituality and wellness is very much like ego driven and you're just going to like uh, interpret anything to serve you. The idea of astrology is that you are a very small part of something much mm. bigger and it is supposed to kind of give you that as like a break from yourself, you know? Oh, I love that. A break from yourself. That's a really great <laughs> way to think about it. It's just like, hey. Yeah. I also have found, I'm wondering if like you have done this for yourself or others maybe, but I think I think it's interesting or I've seen in astrology is like, adding maybe things that might be helpful tools during your journey that week or month. So like, I know Chani has been doing like playlists. She was doing playlists for Spotify. There's a Puerto Rican astrologer who does posts on Instagram. And sometimes she's like, here's your like totem for the week. Here's your like object to look out for. Mm. Um, here's a, a color that you should embrace. Here's a song that I want you to listen to in the shower. Little things like this that kind of personalize it in a way that's maybe not ego driven, but is like, here's the thing to start your journey. I love that. Yeah. I mean, thank God Gemini season is over and, you know, thoughts and prayers <gasps> to all of us who survived that. But <laughs> I was just like in that deluge of social events during Gemini season, I really mm. did think about, okay, who is the planet and the God who rules Gemini? Mercury. Mm. Mercury, the messenger, the communicator, the doer, the fixer, fleet footed, always talking, always communicating. And there were a few shows I went to where before I left the house, I like asked Mercury to be with me where I was just like, okay, I know that I need to be out and I know that I need to be expressing myself and I know that I need to be connecting and I could use a little push. So for mm. me, I think really archetypally like that, cancer is ruled by the moon. The moon is your inner life. Cancer is a water sign. So thinking elementally, thinking archetypally for me makes it really interesting. You know, how can you literally connect with the moon? How can you be connecting with water? Can you be going to the beach? Can when you go to the beach beyond just like cruising, can you have some yeah. sort of a spiritual experience? The cruising can be very spiritual, etc., mm. cetera, etc. Cetera, you know? Yeah, no, that absolutely. I think the the broad Okay, wait. I have to ask. Were you a Greek mythology gay growing up? Was that like I a gotta thing tell that you... you, I I am, I am, I yes! was, and I continue to be. Yeah, <laughs> fully. That was the yeah. seminal archetypal text. It was just right? like here, here it is. And I love the Justice League, so it's kind of all there. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The way I kept my boyfriend <laughs> up yesterday trying to explain, like, DC stuff and the MCU. And then we, like, found a YouTuber we both liked. And he was like, she has a thoughtful breakdown about why Batman doesn't eat pussy. And I was like, okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> but again, archetypes, right? I disagree about yes. that interpretation of that archetype. <laughs> but <laughs> just really bending that word so it fits my needs right now. But that is so fascinating. And about how... Uh, you you mentioned kind of the moment when you made this this list this spreadsheet which honestly like terrified me i was like if somebody assigned that task to me i don't know if i'd be able to do it so kudos first of all yeah it's pretty bone like chilling um, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> bone chilling is a great way to describe it <laughs> But how long ago was that maybe spreadsheet moment for you? The spreadsheet moment was probably in like 20, 
Oh God. It was in 2015 and I was mm-hmm. like, I'm never going to date a Capricorn man again, which of course did not happen. And you know, um, the, the, the suffering continues. Mm-hmm. Um, though, by the way, as I've studied astrology, I understand that it's really prescriptive to just uh, limit someone to their sun sign, and I've learned a lot more. However, you know, I'm aware of some of my own weaknesses. That was a few years ago, and really only over the last like two years or so have I really blasted off with uh, more intensive study, etc. I love this. I think I need to buy a reading from you that's dating specific because I need to talk about the amount of other Scorpios I have also dated in the past and how it's always ended terribly. I kept making the same mistake. (laughs) That is on the house uh, because Scorpionic (laughs) dynamics fascinate me. And like, yeah, of course, I'm a Taurus. I'm Scorpio's diametric opposite. So I have a lot to learn there. Uh, Yeah, it's a profound sign, extremely powerful. Yeah, it it was just like, uh, it, I don't know, it was like making like some sort of weird love death pact with someone and realizing exactly. we were doing it and then just not wanting to admit that we had done that. And then maybe a few months into it being like, we did that, I think. And well, the issue yeah. too with Scorpio is like, you're acting as the power battery for someone else's metamorphosis. Ooh. So when you're both doing that to each other, it's like a feedback loop mm. rather than like, in my case, when I've been with Scorpios, I get to have my metamorphosis and then I leave them. (laughs) So I don't really know if I'm providing much of an answer here for you. But yeah, you get it. It's what we deserve, honestly. It's, you know, (laughs) truly it's tit for tat in all things love with Scorpio. Uh, (laughs) All right, David, I am going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about your podcast, Luminaries, keep the conversation going, and then maybe end this on like a fun little segment or game where I might have you defend an unpopular opinion regarding love or astrology. Um, But we'll get to that. We'll get to that soon. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. All right, and we are back on the QWERTY podcast. I am your host, Gabe Gonzalez. I am here with an incredible guest, David Odyssey. We have just been talking about his astrological practice, about archetypes, about the love and chaos uh, between Scorpios in a romantic and or sexual relationship. (laughs) And now I want to talk to you about your podcast, David. You host a podcast called The Luminaries. I have to tell you, Gabe, I'm in heaven. I ha- you are I cannot wait to have you on. You know, it I'm used so to be in, like a straight up interview podcast, but now I have people on uh, who offer like an idol of theirs, and Ooh. we will do that person's astrology. So I just had someone on. We did Lindsay Lohan's astrology um, the week before. Uh, our friend Fariha Khan and I did MIA's astrology, and of course, like I, you know, I talk about pop culture and I try to like connect all the dots. But it's like archetypal pop culture astrology, basically. That's really fun. And and I also love the idea of having somebody bring in somebody else's chart because I feel like they'll take it a lot less personally. Their life will be less shattered if you give them some hard truths. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yes. Okay. So I'm very curious. I do have to ask, you have some really great celebrities. You did Michelle Pfeiffer, Alanis Morissette, Kirsten Dunst, but I am fascinated. How did you do the astrology of Sailor Moon? How did you come up with this chart for an animated character? So in that case, and this was my favorite kind of astrology to do, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be doing a lot more of this, this, uh, the special guest, Jess Tom, and I (gasps) broke down the character 
um, the planet that she represents and mm. how the powers, the style and the deployment of that character in Asian and in Western astrology are kind of in alignment. It was fascinating. Next month, we're doing the astrology of Six Feet Under. And last month we did, Jake Cornell and I did the astrology of Charmed. <laughs> <gasps> Oh, wow. Where we like talked about the actress's signs and then we guessed each of the characters' signs. But yeah, for Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon to me, it's like, even if you've never read a, like any Greek mythology, mm-hmm. Sailor Moon is an excellent introduction to the planetary archetypes. So I, I loved doing that episode. They are literally just, they each represent a planet. It's so great. It's so easy. Right. And like Sailor Moon is so sensitive because she's the moon. You know what I mean? Like, and which is, of course, extremely queer. Oh, absolutely. Because I think and a, a, like a straight American version of that show would be Sailor Mars leading the, the show. But no, this is like a femme moon goddess. It's amazing. I also love that like Venus was kind of like pretending to be her for a hot second or was the fake out leader. Venus, we realized that, you know, every gay boy, if you're at the Rosemont and you say, who is your Sailor Scout? They're going to say Sailor Jupiter. But after like another drink, they're going to be like, it was Sailor Venus because she had the bangs. Okay, she had the bangs. She's glamorous. She's like. If Sailor Moon is femme, then Venus is like the drag version, which is like the higher, higher femme. It's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, it's Fabu. Oh my God. Yeah. I was always mad because I didn't um, get far enough in the English dub to meet Sailor Pluto, which is sort of, I guess, my my, kind of my ruling planet. Honey, that's right. It is your ruling planet and you have it in Scorpio. So uh, our whole generation does. So it's a it's. Oh, wow. Your life is defined by these very intense crises of metamorphosis that are meant to awaken you from kind of like out of the thumb of oppression and gaslighting. It's really amazing. Oh, God. Okay, yeah. I feel like you just described the last two years. I was like, we are (laughs) adjusting. We're changing. We're evolving. It was also like my sad. I think the tail end of my Saturn return was like a kind of at the beginning of the pandemic. There was some overlap there. Oh, all right. We are new creatures out of the cocoon. I love this. (laughs) It's the new me. uh, It's the new me. Famous last words. (laughs) The Saturn return is the New Year's Eve of astrology gaze. (laughs) I think we earned it this time, though. Like, I think we We really really did. did. Um, We really did. Really did. We went through it. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, my podcast is very fun. And like, Mm -hmm. it is an intro if you want to get into like the uh, vernacular and the nomenclature. And I also just think that the, you know, regardless of the astrology, discussing Michelle Pfeiffer for like two hours is going to yield an interesting discourse. So, you know, come for anything you like, frankly. Bless. I truly love that. Um, I've got to listen to you and Ruby also tackling astrology. Have not done this yet. Super eager to do that. Very thrilled. And we we also are both tarot readers, so it is really quite jacked up. <gasps> oh, yes. 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 <gasps> yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I read tarot. It's really fun if, you know, I, I do astrology and tarot readings, so... When you're here, your family, you know, very complimentary practices. I love this. Have mm-hmm. you? I know we haven't been going out a lot, but I'm wondering 
you've done some, I think, maybe live performances with Ruby. Has the element of tarot or astrology entered any like live event or party where you're like, all right, I'm setting up shop in the corner. I'm bringing a mood light and a little table Mm. and we're doing this. Uh, Is that happening? Has it? It will be. uh, I'm really excited because I got a really intense reading about two months ago and I was Mm -hmm. like, creatively, what do I do? Because I did a show uh, in 2020 where I did all of my favorite like female icons from movies. And I was told like more archetypes are coming. And I really believe that. I'm excited to incorporate all of this into something more theatrical. And now that things are opened up, that is certainly the case. I will say that doing readings during the pandemic where I felt a little bit more like ensconced and protected, Mm -hmm. it has been very intense going out again. Mm -hmm. And I'm having to learn how to protect and defend my, I hate this word, but my energy. Because I I feel more sensitive and more exposed to kind of gay demons uh, than maybe I was before. This word gay demons has entered my vernacular this summer. Actually, it's it's Melissa's fault. Um, That's right. (laughs) Our dear, dear friend. She can spot him. Yes, I know she she can can spot him. She's a slayer. It's real. Yes, yes. But it is just, it's such a good, like, I feel like Colton Underwood might be a gay demon. You know what I mean? Like, that's a gay, that's... Colton Underwood is, I, you know, in speaking of Greek mythology, you know, at the end of Hercules, when uh, Megara is taken into Hades with all the shades yes. and they're not even like zombies. They're just like transparent ghoul phantasms. <laughs> That's Colton Underwood. And I'm sorry to like rip him a new one, but I, I, it's not a demon to me. I'm like, you are alive and you've been corrupted. Colton, I'm like, you never stood a chance. Yes. Like you've been in hell from the beginning. <laughs> a gay demon implies that we'll try to change them, right? Th- yes. We'll meet them on the dance floor and think that we'll be the one to save them <sighs> to conduct the exorcism, but it never happens. We yes, can't. exactly. And of course, <laughs> who rules over all the other gay demons is the double Scorpio RuPaul. So, I mean, we're what? all in a larger... The, the Scorpios rule the gay ecosystem, <laughs> tragically. Um, and nowhere is safe. I know. Nowhere is safe. We're coming. I think another um fun double Scorpio I discovered, I think Bjork is one, but I think Chloe Sevigny might also be a double Scorpio, if I'm not mistaken. Whoopi Goldberg is as well. <gasps> um, Ooh, yeah. And Chloe Sevigny, it makes a lot of sense to me because she has... I don't really know that she's a good actress, but she has the allure. You <laughs> yes, know what I mean? You're right. Yes. She's yeah, I was watching Last Days of Disco and you see Kate Beckinsale, who's a Leo, and it's like, okay, Kate Beckinsale is like really working this. Chloe, it's more about this like hypnosis that mm-hmm. she has. This, this, she's so indelible. She is there's something about her. That's the Scorpio to me. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. the gaze. It's the presence. You cannot quite pin down what it is, but you're in her hazy trance. Wherever her eyes are at, <laughs> you're there. You know what I mean? Oh, I love exactly. this. Oh, exactly. my gosh. Okay. Maybe I'll bring a double Scorpio if if we book this Luminaries gig. I might bring you Walter, too. Wow. Flipping the... Turning the tables and doing a, a Walter oh, reading would be pretty wild. Oh, that would be beautiful. Yeah, it's really crazy we fun. haven't done him yet. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'll keep, I'll keep her in my back pocket now that she's gone and can't be offended. <laughs> <laughs> so protective she is always with us of the legacy true of oh, the capes um okay david we have almost gotten to the end of this podcast and soon i will ask you to share with our listeners where they can find you where they can read obviously on nylon which also okay actually i have to ask that's such a cool gig when did this start and can people find it online before we play our last little segment 
Thank you so much. Yeah. Nylon started in late April and, you know, we just had eclipse season. So a lot of my first articles were about that. Mm -hmm. As of now, things are going to get way more like fun. Mm -hmm. I'm currently writing an article on the astrology of UFOs. (gasps) So things are going to start getting really all over the place. So you can read them uh, via Nylon and all of my published work is on davidodyssey.com. And you can also book readings on davidodyssey.com and the podcast. I mean, it's on iTunes and Spotify, but everything is there. Okay, bless. I love. All right. Thank you so much, David. And again, before we go, uh, I want to play a little game with you. We've played a few. I've got a rotating wheel of games. Okay, sometimes we'll, we'll play a little game called Queerly Beloved, where we will memorialize a trend lost to the past. Uh, And we could play that with you today, but what I wanted to do is get a hot take from you regarding astrology. I want to bring back a game we haven't played in a hot second, not since Alaska was on, I think, called Let Me Get You (laughs) Cancelled, where our guest will, you know, defend perhaps an unpopular opinion that should not be controversial, but inevitably will be. Um, So I'm wondering if you have any astrology hot takes that you've just been itching to share and uh, are ready to share in this segment. This is something that I am really grappling with, okay? Okay. I am a Libra moon, and I am coming to this point in my life where I'm thinking, are all Libras ruthless social climbers, you know? (laughs) And uh, it is so reductive of me to say that, and by the way, half of your audience just like hung up. They're like, I'm never working with him, they're all Libras. But I I love Libras, I think it's it's a beautiful sign. You have Susan Sarandon, Gwen Stefani, Kate Winslet, okay? You also have Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, it's just, I, I'm just getting this this dark vibe and, and I need to, and I'm seeing these dark sides of myself too, where I'm like, oh yeah, I'll cut anyone out. You know what I mean? So that is just something astrologically. I don't know if that's hot enough though. That is just like what's boiling to the surface where I'm like, can they be trusted? Can I be trusted? I, lo- I think this is a very hot take. I think saying all Libras are social climbers can definitely get you canceled. Although Gwyneth Paltrow... <laughs> is really, that might be the irredeemable one. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Right, right. It's very complicated. And Bill Clinton, of course, is a Libra rising and a Libra moon. I mean, it's very complicated. So anyways, yes, that's, that's kind of what's coming up. I would also say cancer men, George W. Bush, hello. Whoa. 50 cent. Cancer men... (laughs) have a propensity to be a little bit emotionally shut down because it's a sign that calls for extreme emotional vulnerability and openness, which does not necessarily jive well with the American masculine terror state. So I often feel some frustration with cancer men, not with all of them. Anthony Bourdain was a cancer. You know, there's good ones. But that is another hot take of mine where I'm like, you know, because sometimes I'll meet like a gay cancer and I'm like, could you just fucking like drop the shell already? Like we're all gay. I don't need you to be tougher than me. Okay. <laughs> do you see? I'm like boiling now. Yes. No, I love this. I do. I love it. I, I Mine would have been on Scorpio men, undoubtedly. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes they need to be called to task. I just appreciate you not, not dragging Geminis or Scorpios. We've been through enough. I think we're misunderstood. We're complex and dark, but you know. Also, Geminis and Scorpios are 
I mean, what power you have to command, you know what I mean? And when that power gets used for good or when it's used for like expanding the artistic consciousness, hello, Azalea Banks, Gemini, anything is possible, you know? Truly. And then I think you've got your um, Hillary Clinton as a Scorpio. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 You got Ryan Murphy, Hillary Clinton and RuPaul. I mean, that's really, you know, really, (laughs) really teetering toward, you know, just straddling the fence there between good and evil. Just what complex, dark figures. Yeah. The overlords, truly. (laughs) There is no escape. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and on that, on that enlightening and (laughs) encouraging note. Yeah. I am actually, I I do want to ask you one last question. If you, honey, go off. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If you could say like one, one thing to the uninitiated in astrology, like somebody who's just like, I don't want to, I don't want to listen to it. What is like one, maybe little nugget you would offer to somebody who's like, I'm not vibing with astrology. I would never. Everything in human civilization is copied from something else. All religions borrow from one another. All kind of historical, spiritual traditions borrow from one another. Astrology and tarot are a little more upfront about that in that they're a collection of archetypes, references, practices, traditions, ideas, and you get to kind of make it new user-friendly for you. I don't really know what any sign is specifically. I know a lot of interpretations and I know a lot of synchronicities with the planets, but it's completely up to you. You having your Neptune in Sagittarius can mean whatever you want it to mean. It's just meant to be fun and playful. And in a lot of ways, it's like collecting Pokemon where it's like, (laughs) these are these new things you get to play with that you get to ascribe spiritual, political, or emotional value to. And it's really fun. And it's supposed to be playful, you know? Yes. Astrology, the Pokemon of life. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you. (laughs) So I know to break it down thoughtfully, really to to fully ignore the message. Um, No, but thank you so much for coming on. This has been so exciting. I've been dying to talk to somebody about astrology because I'm afraid to bring it up. I am. And I'm so excited. This was great. Um, Take me to heaven. This was great. (laughs) Can't wait to do it again. We'll do it in person sometime soon, I hope. And again, if you could just let people know one more time, where can folks find you online, on social media, and uh, reach out to you if they'd like to know more or, or read more? Yes, God. I am David underscore Odyssey on Instagram and via davidodyssey.com. You can open the portal to everything. Odyssey classically is spelled O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y. And otherwise, I will see you on the dance floor. Yes. Yes. Love it. (laughs) Oh, thank you again, David. Um, And that is all we've got for today. So if you are listening and you've got to this point, please make sure you support the QWERTY podcast by subscribing, rating and reviewing our show. You can do it now wherever you get your podcast and you can get your QWERTY fix every day at QWERTY.com. Read more about these stories we talked about today or check out our video honoring the Pride 50, some of our Pride 50 honorees, just a handful of them. But that is a very recent project you can check out on QWERTY.com as well. QWERTY has been a joint producer between Forever Dog and Q Digital. QWERTY is hosted by me, Gabe Gonzalez, produced by Andrew McGuire, engineered and edited by Shireen Lani Yunez, music by Gabe Lopez, executive produced by Joe Cilio, Tracy Soren, Brett Boehm, Alex Ramsey, Scott Gatz, John Halbach, Dan Tracer, and Melissa D. Montz. Forever Dog. <laughs>